0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because I've got a very special guest on the line this week, a fellow Australian like me. She doesn't live in Australia. She lives uh, in Germany across the other side of the world. So I think it's 7 a.m. for me. It's 9 p.m. over there for her. And this is about as close as we get. The only time that we're, we're both uh, awake. A little bit about this first. She helps dieticians to get um, their marketing under control. She helps them to launch and grow a successful virtual practice, and she helps them create a uh, create profitable online courses. So, without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Miss Kaylee Moolah. Katie, how are you?
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: No, thanks for coming on and, and staying up late. Did I get the pronunciation okay. right on that surname?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, you could work on the German accent, but no, that's perfect. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Uh, I'll just call you Katie for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, Um, that's fine. Katie, I like to start all these podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for
1: us? I do. I do. I would have to say it's. People will judge you no matter what you do. So you may as well do what you want. Mm,
0: I love it. It's kind of like, there's a good quote that I used to, one of those memes going around uh, the internet. It was kind of like, you know, too short, too tall, too fat, too skinny, too monthly, too muscly, too confident, too shy. Like you're always going to be too for something. So just, you know, be yourself and be happy. So I, I love that. Um, Katie, I've been following you for a while now. I've got a pretty good idea of what it is. It's very impressive what you've done and what you've built. If you could explain that for the listeners and take your time here, right? Don't give us a 60-second elevator pitch. Spend the next kind of, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Let us know in detail what is it you do and, more importantly, how did you get to the position to do that?
1: yes absolutely so well what first of all what i do now is i work predominantly with dietitians and nutrition coaches um, teaching them how to get marketing confident online how to create profitable digital courses so they can attract more private paying clients Um, so how i got there was i am a dietitian and that's where i started so i started my own brick and mortar practice in nutrition and dietetics as most dietitians do when they want to go into business for themselves um, and with the traditional model of selling sessions so having appointments trying to fill appointments um, the only way we really know how to do business um, what we're used to So I did that for a few years and then realized how draining it was on my time and on my my freedom and my lifestyle, Um, having to work Saturdays and after hours and cater to people's preferences for when they wanted to come in for appointments Um, and especially running my own business, um, needing to have enough appointments available that it could be profitable. So having to work to actually see clients and therefore make an income. So I did that for a few years, but, uh, yeah, found that, that business model and that trading time for money, very draining and unsustainable, um, more than that, it wasn't scalable. So, mm-hmm. cause you only have so many hours in the day, um, and So I decided to shift online and that's really what sparked my interest in digital marketing initially. Um, I went and did some different training courses, some uni short courses and different things like that to upskill in digital marketing um, and really enjoyed it. Um, found that I had a little bit of a knack for digital marketing and because I loved it as well. So it worked quite well in the end. So I took ended up taking my brick and mortar practice completely virtual. Um,
0: Just one question there Katie, you, you were doing the online marketing courses to grow the brick and mortar business at that stage right?
1: I was doing a bit of social media but I wasn't um, taking it all that seriously. I think I didn't quite understand the power of digital marketing and social media back then. Um, I was it because I felt like well that's what you're supposed to do to market yourself um but then when I really got fed up with that business model and the trading time for money um and I saw other dietitians who had started online at a similar time to me just taking off um their you know their followings growing seeming on the surface like their businesses are thriving as well so I thought well this there must, this must be possible, there must be a way that I can do this too. So that's what made me take digital marketing and social media a little more seriously and do some more courses and learn more about it um, and take, take a deeper dive.
0: Okay. So
1: yeah, in the end, I ended up going completely virtual. I sold off the face-to-face practice and only saw clients online through a digital course um, with a membership site
0: spend a minute there Katie so what run us through and also year wise what year was this
1: so this was I started the face-to-face business um, in 2010 September 2010 to be exact Um, and then around about 2015 that's when I was having my I've got three kids so I was having my second child um, in 2015 so that's when I really looked at you know, that's when the lifestyle became unsustainable. I thought I don't want to be working Saturdays and late nights. My family's growing. I want to have flexibility and freedom um, and not have to sacrifice income for that either. So um, from 2015 to 2018, that's really when I was all in on digital virtual practice as a dietitian and then sold off that business as well in 2018.
0: I think that's important to say it's pre-COVID times, right? because it's pretty easy now you yeah. could be a you know a yeah. nutritionist are uh, set a meeting face to face let's just do zoom pretty easy but yours was before that and also it sounds let us know a little bit more what that model was it wasn't just zoom sessions right it was more leverage is, is that right or run us through when you first went online what did that look like
1: yeah it wasn't just zoom sessions at all in fact that was not really at all what i did um, so it was it was a way it was an online membership platform and so there was there was coaching available within that uh, but it wasn't the core offering it wasn't the core product um, the course was a platform where i was a bariatric dietitian so for those not dietitians listening weight loss surgery um lap band surgery sleeve gastrectomy those sorts of things so it was an online platform to support people post those operations with uh, fit- fitness and exercise, gentle exercise, um, recipe ideas, uh, as well as just upskilling them on nutrition and supplementation and those sorts of things after surgery. So it was a it was a content library of a recipe library, nutrition trainings. Um, I paired with an exercise physiologist and we did um, fitness lessons that they could follow along inside the portal.
0: Gotcha and let us know a little bit more about pricing what was it price at?
1: Yeah so it was um, 27 a month initially when I first launched um, and then after a year that went up to 49 a month and that's where it stayed.
0: Gotcha and members how many members do you have in there?
1: I, in, in the end, when I when I sold it, I
0: had just over 300. Wow. Okay. So there's going to be a whole heap of people listening to this being like, how did she get 300 members in, in there? Um, yeah. Let us know that story. Maybe if you can let us know, I guess, uh, how you created the content as well. So it's because, co- like, yeah, there's something to be about that. Was it like, all right, I'm going to create all this content and now I'm going to launch it? Or was it like, I'm going to launch it with no content and slowly build it? Let us know kind of those two things there creating the content and then also launching and marketing as
1: well yeah that's a great question because now looking back um, yeah and and coaching other people to do similar things to build memberships and build courses uh, I can I can see myself in the <laughs> the way you think is so different when you've been through it um, so yes initially I thought um, I thought that, yeah, I had to have it all filled out and I had to have, you know, a really full looking platform in order to make one sale. Um, and I guess that's that imposter syndrome and lack of confidence that, oh, if it's not looking like I've been doing this for a long time, then no one's, the people are going to feel like the value isn't there. Um, and so I hired a coach to actually a business coach at that time to help me get this off the ground because it was really a it was a make or break for me. Like I had to, I went all in, it had to succeed. So I hired a coach to help me who had been there before. and knew a little bit more about what they were doing than I did. So as much as their advice scared me to um, create, their advice was to create three months worth of content and then launch. Um, And so I felt like the platform looked a little bare. It wasn't what I would have done I probably would have had 12 months of content in there um but I did it and the the first lot of people in um were really really happy I had on the the first sort of soft launch just to my existing client base I had 50 people in there pretty quickly and they were all really happy so it didn't um yeah there wasn't any disappointed customers or clients like I thought there would have been so I think I guess to answer that question you definitely don't have to have everything exactly how you see it being in the very end just to launch and I think often we can hold ourselves back from launching by trying to create everything and have everything exactly how we want it, it I really believe of course should always be a work in progress because you're always learning and innovating and learning more about what your members or your clients want, what's working, what's missing. Um, so you should really always be adding and, and tweaking to make the course the best it can be. 100%.
0: I think there's a few good points in there. I think, firstly, I like that three months where it gives you enough of a buffer. It's like if you've got three months of content, okay, sweet. You know, you just always need to, then every then you're ahead and it's like, all right, every month I'll just create another month, another month, another month. Hey, I can even miss a month. I've still got a bit of a, a buffer there, you know? And then it gets to the point where it's like, okay, now if someone comes in, there's six months of content, there's 12 months of content. And it was a very easy way of, of doing or not? it. was It was an um, easier way of doing it. And I think the other key as well is like the validation side of things. Because if you create 12 months of content, there's no guarantee someone's going to buy that. And then you've created 12 months of content and you've wasted 12 months of your life uh, at least with this way here, it's like, okay, he's three months. Okay, if it doesn't sell, all right, it, it sucks, but it doesn't completely suck. I can just tweak a little bit and then go again, tweak a little bit and then go again. In your case, it did uh, work well off the bat. So it's like, great, 50 people. Now let me make it better each time. So I, I love that. Um, and what so to get from 50 to 300, how long did that take?
1: That took uh, a little under a year. Okay. A
0: little under a
1: year. Yeah tell us,
0: tell us about uh, that because that's pretty cool 300 members in in less than a year.
1: Yeah yeah I was really really happy especially for such a such a niche area <laughs> you know mm-hmm. people are up to wait loss surgery it's not it's not a massive market. Um, and I will just say on on that before this wasn't my first course so I did oh. I made a lot of those mistakes before i had you know i had spent the six months creating everything and then it didn't sell and you know i'd i'd been through all those hard lessons um so yeah i just want to point that out that i did have a little bit of experience behind me
0: now notes
1: um, but yeah so to get from 50 to 300 members well what I did was um I set up a, a digital marketing funnel essentially we'll sure know what that is by now it's been around for a long time but back then it was uh, sort mm-hmm. of the new on the block um and what worked for me was a free challenge so I uh, obviously obviously you need a lead magnet or something to deliver value and I'm a big believer in serving before you sell Um, I can't stand any of these sort of really sales pitchy type approaches um, to to selling so uh, I knew that I had to create an opportunity to show my ideal clients and the ideal members of how I can help them and the benefits that would be in the membership so I put together a free three-day challenge And um, in that, it was, well, there was like little meal plans. It was essentially a mini taste of what the membership was like, what the actual program was like. So it was a a three-day meal plan. There was um, a couple of short fitness lessons. uh, And the other component of the membership was mindset. So I had a little mindset exercise for them to do each day as well. Um, I had a Facebook community for the three-day challenge. Um, so it was a great place to, even people who didn't go on to purchase the program, it was a great place to create community um, and generate leads into. And and that's essentially what I did. So that worked. So I just kept repeating that. So every three months I would have a launch. I would run, I would promote the free challenge. Um, I did do paid advertising. I really love paid ads on social media I love Google ads I love Facebook ads I think they're super powerful um, so I did do paid advertising on social to build the numbers of um people taking up the challenge to help grow the email list to get people into the challenge and then at the end of the challenge would pitch the membership um, and and recruit them that way I did also offer a one dollar free trial was uh, not free one dollar trial <laughs>
0: free.
1: (laughs) $1 two week trial um, to add a little extra incentive um, to really lower the risk. Uh, And I found that to work really well and not everyone, but most people stayed on after that. So I did find it a successful way to build fairly quickly.
0: Mm, Yes. I like the $1 option, especially back then, but even now as well, because kind of like free, just it doesn't work. You know, it's like, they'll go in there and then like you know that you don't have the credit card details they'll forget about it and it's I almost found as well because i've got a membership as well i've got a few different memberships um and i found there's a like between one dollar and free it's worlds apart like if you can yes. get someone to pay one dollar it's worlds apart from free just the fact that it's some money they've got her into their details in there it's it might sound uh, dollar-free, what's the difference? But it's, it's huge in, in my opinion there. So question yeah. with that, Katie. Most of your, you obviously did your soft launch with your, you know, your, your current clients and your ex-clients, that sort of thing. And yes. then it was mainly paid ads that allowed you to um, grow your list, right?
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah. Uh, couple questions with that. Um, major one is around pricing how did you kind of be like, all right, cool, you know, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars on Facebook ads and know that it's going to be worth it for me? Did you have any calculations there or any sums there or what did you do there?
1: No, and, and <laughs> again, probably, <laughs> Back now, I probably should have had a lot of that mapped out and I didn't. But, you know, yeah, at the same time, I think, you know, it's a bit like launching with just a few months of content instead of a full course. Um, You really don't, and I honestly attribute the success I've had so far um, to just getting in there, just taking action. I don't necessarily know the next step or really all the time what I'm doing, um, but I'm happy to get in and sort out the problems as I go. So really with the, the paid ads, uh, I just went all in. I spent way more than I maybe should have, but that was probably learning initially. Can I, can
0: I ask how much, do you remember how much you spent initially?
1: Yeah, it was, would it, it was close to $5,000. Oh, wow, okay. Which for the sales I got was not that good. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely lost money initially, Um, but I learned a lot. So I did throw a lot of money at the wall, um, learning about the importance of targeting and warming up audiences, Um, all of those things that, yeah, I probably should have had clearer numbers in my head and approached it much more strategically um, but I didn't I really just went for it and then tweaked as I realized <laughs> that it was costing more than I was making
0: well it's a way to learn as well right it's kind of and probably the better way to learn you can either pay someone to teach you or you can do it yourself both of them can can kind of work uh, as long as you learn from it right you weren't just saying all right I'll boost a post for ten dollars and you know see what happens you know like really it might not work you might not learn anything at least you put $5,000 in, you've got to learn pretty smart what works or, or what doesn't. Uh, and then from there, Katie, did you dial that funnel in a little bit more and you were like, all right, cool, you know, I know that if I spend X amount, I get X amount back or, or anything like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I stopped wasting money. Essentially, I refined who uh, and took more notice of what ads were actually performing, which targeting was working best, um and yes definitely refined that and optimize the campaigns um I I found that most of the members were coming from the U.S. so I stopped marketing to Australia which wasn't converting very well for me then and put it all into uh the U.S. so yes I did start to pay much more attention to the numbers like I should have from the start um but I think you're right you know it's just because you're not sure of exactly what you're doing it shouldn't stop you from getting in there and having a go but I do want to point out because I I run ads with my clients now and I, I, I knew that Facebook ads was what I wanted to do I knew that paid advertising on social was the strategy I wanted to master so I think You have to really, because it's not easy and you can lose money initially. And I think even if you feel like you know what you're doing or you have someone teaching you, you, you know, things can still not go to plan. So I think you really have to decide... Is that, is that the strategy that you're going to stick with? Because you have to be able to ride out those hard times when it feels like it's all falling apart or when your ads keep getting disapproved or like even I had my entire Facebook account shut down, even my personal account, I couldn't get in anymore. So it was a nightmare. And so you have to be able to move past all of that and not let it stop you.
0: Yeah, I think there's some really good points there. I'm a huge fan of paid advertising myself. I like both because I like the advantages and and disadvantages of both. The reason I like paid advertising is it's the most time efficient. It's kind of like if you do it properly and it always takes a while to learn, but if you hit a good Facebook ad, like in my space anyway, if I hit a good Facebook ad, I can do absolutely nothing for a month or two and just watch the leads pour in and the sales pour in. Let's use another example. Maybe you're an, an Instagrammer or a YouTuber Uh, it's quite time intensive, right? If you're an Instagrammer every day or a couple of times a week, you've got to create content and then you've got to do it again the next day, the next day and the next day. The flip side to it is the money side of things, right? If you're doing something like Instagram or YouTube, you spend your time, you don't really need to spend any money or a lot of money. On the Facebook ads, you don't need to spend a lot of time, but you're paying with your, your money there. So the way I look at that, it kind of depends what you got more of as well. If you got a lot of time, and you're short on cash, okay. Organic might be better. Um, if you're short on time, you got a bit of cash, okay. Facebook ads maybe the, the better option. That's why I, I like it there. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head where you really gotta learn it. It's a, it's a new skill set. Like it's not one of those, especially it's getting harder and harder all the time. You know, like maybe when you when you started, when did you say you start? 2015 or something?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It was, was, was easier then, right? In your opinion.
1: Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, way easier. Yeah. Way easier. I mean, yeah. Even just in the last twelve months running ads has become a lot harder in terms of the privacy restrictions and the yeah. how much that targeting and
0: the compliance, yeah. the cost per lead, you know what? Yeah. When I started Katie, I used to get leads for a dollar.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh right? mostly under a dollar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wait, back, wait, back then, right? Not now, you're saying?
1: Back then, back then,
0: back yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like That's the biggest mistake I've ever made in business. I was getting leads for a dollar and I would just put like $10 a day on, you know, not even I put, yeah, something like, I think it was 50 bucks a week or something, you know, and I get like 50 leads and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, little did I know I should have put 500 on there and got 500 leads and I'd be in in a way better space. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head like 10 years ago or yeah, five, 10 years ago or say six or seven years ago you could pretty much go on yourself and learn and it would be okay and you get half an idea. Now it's way harder. You kind of got to go all in and you got to be prepared. In my opinion, to lose thousands. You know, maybe you get lucky and you hit it out of the park at the start, but I'd say that's a, a rarity. You know, if you're going to go in Facebook ads, kind of like, all right, I'm going to be willing to lose thousands of dollars or to, to you know, to eat thousands of dollars to learn from it. So that's mm. that's my take there. Um, okay, and then you pivoted, Katie. You're like, okay, I got this, you know, successful membership here. uh, But now you you don't do that anymore, right? Now you teach other nutritionists to do something similar. Let us know about that. How did that occur? Why did that occur?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I really lost interest to be honest. I I always loved the digital marketing, the, the the side of growing my business more than actually creating the content and being the dietitian. Um and so i really had just gotten bored of doing the content creation for the membership and was you know I was losing interest so the innovation wasn't there the passion wasn't there and I knew that it was time to move on and I loved the marketing side and knew that that was ideally where I wanted to go and through the process of building that membership I organically attracted dietitians because I I mean I was fairly involved with Dietitians Australia I was mentoring young uh, dietitians for their accreditation program I was you know, doing different things there. So uh, I naturally was attracting questions on how do you do this? How do you do a website? How do you market on social media? How do you build a, an online, but like a, a nutrition practice online? So I was organically sort of giving out advice and, and helping other dietitians anyway. I just wasn't charging for it then. So I thought, well, you know, there seems to be an interest here. Maybe this could be an opportunity. There was other people succeeding in dietitian business coaching. Um, so that was proof as well that this could work. And so that's when I decided that, yeah, it was time to move on. My passion was no longer in being a dietitian and Uh, I could do digital marketing every day, teach it to other dietitians and help them to get out of the same trap that I was in. Where you can't scale, you can't grow, you have to see clients, you have to sell clients into every single session. It's draining. um, You know, there's not a lot of flexibility and freedom in that business model. So now I'm just fortunate to be able to work with dietitians who uh, can get out of that time for money a bit and start attracting private paying clients online, not having to deal with insurances and things like that. So oh, it's
0: I, very- I love your story because it's pretty much the exact same as mine. I did literally <laughs> the exact same thing, but in the yeah. personal training space was a personal trainer. And then I was trading money for time. I went down the bootcamp pathway. So I was like, hold on, if I can create a bootcamp, I just need to run one session a day and I can make more money than I did if I was, you know, seeing one on one clients all day. And then from there, I was like, you know what, let me teach other trainers how to do this. And then it got to a point and it was like, you know what, I enjoy teaching the trainers more than I enjoy, you know, the other people uh, teaching the the people here. And I'm making more revenue over here as well. So, you know, see you later by fitness business. And then I've even done again with the course creative community where it's like, you know what? Now I'm starting to get a bit bored of teaching the, the fitness trainers fitness stuff. Now let me teach other course prayers. And I think I can see you going down that way as well, right? Do you think that'll be <laughs> your next step, Katie?
1: <laughs> maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I love my clients. I love my dietitians, but maybe. Maybe one day I'll expand and broaden my horizons.
0: <laughs> awesome. Now, and then when you launched this new business, was it essentially the same sort of thing? Were you like, right, I've got this framework now that I use to grow this membership. I'm just going to do the same thing, but change your niche you can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But things were different. And I think like how you mentioned, you know, it was pre-COVID when I grew the nutrition business, the the story on Facebook ads, you know, it was a lot, like you said, it was a lot easier. Yeah. Um, it- very different than to what it was when I launched this business. So uh, I had teething problems really launching the coaching business. To be honest, it wasn't smooth sailing. The first year was a complete disaster. Ooh. I made, okay. yeah, I mean, I made really good money, yeah. um, but I attracted all the wrong clients because of my ad campaigns. So the, I did try and use the same strategies and realized that, it didn't, ne- this was a new market. This was a new business, this was a new offer, a new price point. And I couldn't just copy and paste what I'd done to build the coaching business to do, you know, what I did to build a nutrition business. I couldn't necessarily do that to build a coaching business. Um, so the first year was a complete disaster. So Dietitian Digital was actually a rebrand. Um, of what I originally launched with. Um, and uh, and I, so I came back and launched that post-COVID. So that was right after COVID. Um, I launched in May 2020.
0: Gotcha. So right after COVID.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Okay. And what was the, and I'll, I'll share my two cents there as well. So I found my first switch, I could actually do the exact same thing. So when I went from running a a fitness bootcamp, I used mainly Facebook ads uh, and my local network to to grow that. Uh, And mainly via a sales call funnel where it was like, right, let me run an ad to everyone in the local area, you know, and just say, hey, I'm running this bootcamp. Enter your details here if you're interested. You know, whoever entered, you know, I'd give them a call, say, hey, this is what we do. You want to come down, come down, blah, blah, blah. If they sign up, great. If they don't, they go into the email list, you know, email market from there. Uh, Then when I started uh, personal train uh, for uh, running the course for personal trainers. The price point was pretty much exactly the same as well. Like it was 500 bucks for the, the fitness bootcamp and it was 500 bucks to do the online course. Uh, and I would use this, like obviously change the copy and the image and all that and the offer, but it was essentially like Facebook ads instead of just targeting to my local area. I could now target just personal trainers, you know, do you like fitness Australia? Do you have personal trainer in your job title? And I could use the exact same thing. But when I transitioned to course creator, the methods were actually quite different. It wasn't quite as easy to, to run that Facebook ad to the course creator community. And also the phone funnel didn't quite work. Because, like, if you inquire for a fitness boot camp, you expect the trainer to give you a call and you know talk to you. You know, uh, if I'm running my Facebook ads for personal trainers, because they run a local fitness business they've always got their phone on. You know, they're hoping it's, they're going to answer their phone because they're hoping it's a, a client calling them to, to give them business, right? But online course creators, they don't answer their phone. They're on the online space because they hate being on the phone, you know, and they want everything automated. Why are you calling me? Like set up a funnel with automations and bots and, and that sort of thing there. So I had to, you know, change my marketing strategy there. I'm curious the changes from, from your side of things. You know, what you looked at and you're like, hey, I'm going to do the same thing. It didn't work what now works in in that space so what what do you have to do differently
1: yeah yeah so um I I, when I launched the coaching business I thought well I'm going to run workshops live workshops that was a a popular model at the time I'd been to quite a few and brought coaching programs from workshops and it seemed to be working I thought I can do that and dietitians like workshops they like attending professional development seminars so I thought this could really work Um, so I I did that but then the ads I attracted a lot of not specifically dietitians they were more like product-based nutrition businesses and so I really learned you know they brought my program and I worked with them and I coached them but I it was just such a misfit because I really realized that really here to help service-based businesses and how much of a difference that was in terms of my experience and where I can really help didn't really translate to product-based businesses but I didn't know that until I started working with them so hence why that first year was a a bit of a disaster Um, not sales wise but just not finding the right the right people to work with Um, so uh, sorry you've asked the question about making the transition into what did work
0: yes yeah, so now what did work when you for when you're targeting nutritionists now
1: yeah so I realized I'd always shied away from Instagram as a social media platform because <laughs> I just always felt like you know I, I'm not a model I can't take beautiful perfect photos and I, you know I'm not a stylist and photographer and it was just always very intimidating for me nor could I really design beautiful graphics and infographics and quote posts and things like that so I always shied away from Instagram but I realized that's where all the dietitians are so I thought my ideal clients are there I have to get myself onto Instagram and so that's what I did so I I, I took more notice of where they were instead of just what everyone else was doing and what was sort of trending at the time uh, and thinking, oh, I'll just do that. Um, I stopped and I really looked at who am I actually trying to target and where are they? Um, realized they're all on Instagram and I put myself there. And so I'm still not really on any other social platforms Um my whole business so far. And even with paid ads in this particular business since launching Dietitian Digital, I'm really only just getting into paid ads now because I'm in a position where I feel ready to scale. But up until then, all 100% of my business had come from organically from Instagram, just from being in the right place where my target clients clients are. So I took more notice of who I was actually trying to attract rather than just following what I thought would work or what everyone else is doing or the trends. Love that.
0: I like it because you, now you've got uh, both games as well, right? It's like, all right, cool. I know where ads can work. You know, I've done on that business there. I know where organic can work. I know, I know this here. And I'll look at the business and see which one works best. And I'll, I'll go there. So love that. Um, okay. Katie, any tips? So, so you work mainly with nutritionists now, but I'm sure some of the tips um, can work for other people as well. What can you tell us there? Maybe like the top two or three tips if someone's looking to get an online course together and market it, what are your top kind of two or three tips there?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first one stems off of what we just said. And I, because I really found that the paid ads were a lot harder to just try and attract cold leads, you know, Mm -hmm. to just throw, throw ads out there and try and find dietitians like a needle in a haystack. So I really realized how ineffective that was with the first launch um, and went to Instagram where I knew they were. So I think if your niche or the, 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 the group of people you're really trying to target is very specific because Facebook ads, I believe now are a lot harder to target specific groups of people. Um, then you probably will be better off doing more the approach I've done this time around, finding what social platform they're on, building organically as best you can on that platform, um, and then using that traction to do more targeted paid advertising with things like custom audiences. So that's why now, you know, after just over a year, nearly a year Um, In Dietitian Digital, there's sort of enough traction now with engagement on the content. I don't have, I've only got 1,500 followers. So I think that's the other thing. You don't need tens of thousands of followers. Um, But there's enough interaction there that you can start doing more targeted um, paid advertising and have more success with where ads are at right now. Um, So that would be my first one. Let's, (laughs) let's,
0: Let's spend a minute there. We'll just simplify that for some of the listeners and make sure I understand as well. What you're essentially yeah. saying there, Katie, is you'll use Instagram to build a following organically, and then you'll yeah, go yeah. on Facebook and you'll retarget essentially the people that have followed your Instagram or interacted on your Instagram or even entered their, their email in your opt-in. You'll set up an ad that's essentially just uh, targeting those people there. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly. So not only those, so also building an email list organically from Instagram as well. So focusing on building the following, building the engagement, really trying to get lots of visibility, views on videos as well. That's another way we can pull audiences on paid ads. Um, You can also use your email list. Um, You can use the other page engagers and followers. More powerful than that, I think, is the lookalike audiences. So that's why, you tens of thousands uh you know I can pull 1500 or you know a pool of 1500 to 5000 of page engages in the last three months and then do a lookalike audience to get better targeting um to more people so you can't do those lookalike audiences unless you have that foundation audience to create it from so that's where it can become more powerful i think with where facebook ads is at now where interest-based targeting if you have quite a specific group of people you're trying to target can be quite challenging
0: gotcha let's spend a minute there for the the listeners so if you haven't done facebook ads before you may not be aware of of what um, katie's saying is a lookalike list where um so she's building her her following organically on on instagram Mm -hmm not only will she retarget those people there, but there's an option where you can create a lookalike list. You can say to Facebook, hey, here's my followers and gauges and, and video viewers and however you want to target them. Show it to a list of people that look similar to this thing here. Uh, and the advantage of that is you don't need to worry about interests or anything like that. Facebook's got a heap of data on people. So they just look at that list and they're like, all right, let's show it to, to similar people there. Um, so yeah, love that there. So, okay, that's the the first tip. What's the next tip, Katie?
1: Um, Next tip would be in terms of creating a course, it really has to be a solution Mm. for who you're trying to sell it to. So I think a lot of the time, and I'm so guilty of this myself, so it's not a bad thing. It's just, I think, as business owners and we get so excited about our own ideas that we can think, I I want to create a course on XYZ topic, don't don't and I want it to be six months long and I want it to have this many sessions and I want it to cost this much money. Um, when really that's the complete backwards way to go about what I believe is the right way to build a course. So there's no right or wrong, but I think it really has to be that <laughs> no,
0: let's be honest, there is a wrong the
1: way you were saying before <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> I'm sure there's more more ways than than yeah. than the way I yeah, that... It has to be the solution first. It has to be the people that you're wanting to buy it at the end, it has to come from a known need of theirs as well. I find, you know, a lot, a lot of the time with my clients and they get a bit confused that the it's a need that they know the clients want or the, the the target audience want. The target audience don't know that they want that. So that can be a challenge as well. You have to sort of meet them halfway sometimes as to what do they know that what are they actually looking for help with what are they willing to pay for help with um and and create a course around that solution
0: such a good tip that's i think that's the best tip we could give any call cor- you could give any course creator for a few different things right when i speak to course creators now this is how i can tell if they're going to be immediately successful or if they need to do a lot of work is essentially how they answer that question. there. If I'm like, right, you know, what's your course about? Tell me what's it for, who's it help, yada yada yada. Uh, if they if they answer straight about the student, I know they're going to be good. It's going to be a win. They're like, hey, you know, I've been working with uh, dietitians for years. I found that dietitians struggle with this, this, this. They need help with this, this, this. They want this, this, and this. So I've put together this course for bang, 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 bang. I'm like, this person's going to be successful. You know, I just need to show them a few tools here and there. On the flip side if they go about their course, well, look, I've put this course together. It's a beautiful course. It's 12 modules long. i use Kajabi. Um, the video editing is really nice, you know? Um, and this is what I know that, you know, nutritionists need to, to, need to do. And I think nutritionists could, I'm like, okay. <laughs> not saying it's not going to work, but it's a completely different way around it. So I think for everyone listening, start with that. And actually I'll go deeper as well. So now in one of my business, I've also got a software right? Um, And it's um, like an awesome software, right? It's kind of like ClickFunnels, ActiveCampaign, Kajabi, all in one, right? Really, really good software. Uh, But I'm struggling to sell it to my audience because I'm like, well, it's a great software, but my audience doesn't really have a need for that software there. This is the personal trainer side of things, you know? They're just kind of like, hey, what can I post on Facebook to get a few clients today? You know, they don't worry about ClickFunnels and Funnels and all that. And that's a prime example. This software is awesome. You know, 97 bucks a month and it's like ClickFunnels, Kajabi, ActiveCampaign all in one, but you know, there's no real need for it on the client side of things. And I'll find it, I'm sure I'll find a way, but you know, it doesn't really matter how good that side of things is if the market doesn't want it. So I think that's an awesome point. Um, okay, I want to be respectful of your time. There's just a couple of questions I always like to finish up with. Uh, Now, this is the course created community platform. So I ask all the, the guests on there who they host their courses with or what their favorite course platform is. What can you tell us there? What do you use or do you have something you recommend your, your students use?
1: Yeah, so what I use is Kajabi. Um, I have a couple of clients who use that, but for a lot of my clients, I find they, it's a bit too pricey for them because this is often their first course. And I completely agree with that. You don't need to go and invest in you know $200 a month or whatever it is to for a course that you haven't even sold yet so I use Kajabi um and if you have the budget yeah I think it's great or maybe your software is better (laughs) um (laughs) Um, mine's
0: not for course creators yet though so
1: yeah okay (laughs) Um, so for a, a lower priced similar platform to Kajabi I like Podia um it's it's like the baby brother of Kajabi it's A lot cheaper a lot more affordable with similar functionality that's similar all-in-one sort of platform where you can host your course email list etc build your landing pages um the other one that i have a lot of clients using because it's essentially free until you make a sale is teachable Um, a lot of my dietitian clients have programs on there and that works okay i mean i my advice would be to have somewhere where you can do a proper sales page. Um, that's what I don't like about Teachable, but just from a course hosting perspective, it does the job.
0: Yeah, oh, my two cents on that. So I think Kajabi is the best, hands down. It's the best. There's no question, right? Um, but it's also the priciest, right? And even at that that 200 point, I think there's some limitations. You know, I know with um, the amount of courses I got, I'd need the 400 a month one. You know, 400 US dollars a month. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's getting up there, you know. Um, another good budget one I like is New Zenla. Have you used New Zenla before? No, I
1: haven't. I haven't it's heard about that. It's
0: very similar to a Podia. Similar to Kajabi, just not quite as good. You know, some things don't work as smoothly. Uh, but it's like 70 bucks a month or something like that. You know, so a, a fraction of the price. And like, t- well, there's two options. They do have a free version on the free version, they'll take a cut of the sale. So I think they take, if you're on the free version, they take 10% or whatever, uh, or the paid version is $70 a month. So I think that's a good one for starting off and 100% agree with Teachable. I use that with another one of my businesses with the fitness education online business, great for hosting the course and good enough. You know, you can, you know, do okay with it, but the sales side is just so hard, you know? And with that business, I also need click funnels for the sales pages and active campaign for the the emails. So it's kind of like I'm paying a thousand bucks or something, you know, just with that. I would, if I could start again, I would have gone Kajabi and just spent the the 400 bucks. So I think they're good points. Uh, Final question, Katie, is around mentors. So you mentioned a couple, you're a mentor for plenty of nutritionists out there, plenty of marketers out there. Um, I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. If you could answer this in a few different ways, someone that you've paid money to, You know, a business coach, a course you've done, something like that. Someone that you haven't paid money to, but you follow them on social, you listen to their podcasts, whatever it may be, and a book that you recommend every either course creator should read or anyone that wants to get better at online marketing should read. So mentors, paid, unpaid, and book.
1: Um, Yeah, so mentors, I've had a a few different paid coaches. Um, I've had a couple specifically uh, growing my nutrition business who were in the nutrition space. Um, But in terms of um, since then, uh, paid mentors, uh, Grace Lever from Australia, I've done a couple of her courses, particularly on course creation actually, and funnel building. Um, She's got some amazing content on, on those topics um frank kern Mm -hmm. i've done paid courses with him i learned a lot about digital marketing sales funnels how to just be an authentic seller online how to serve before i sell those sorts of key lessons i learned a lot of that from frank kern um also you know from a just a success mindset point of view tony robbins for Mm -hmm. sure um his courses online and in person now and again i think everyone can do with those little Mm -hmm. pick me up some pep talks to to get the confidence going and to innovate and to push yourself out of your comfort zone awesome
0: okay book
1: um in terms of a book um are you a reader
0: you're not a reader Um, that's okay
1: No, I am. And I'm more struggling to pick one, but I would have to say the one that's probably stood out the most for me and made that I, you know, I still often think back to would be Purple Cow um, by Seth Goddard. Always thinking of how to be the purple cow in in your niche, how you can stand out, how you can differentiate. So I think that's a great one from a marketing perspective.
0: Yes. I love that book too um okay cool there's going to be a whole heap of people i'm sure katie listening to this watching this being like okay this woman is awesome she's inspiring she knows a thing or two you know i want to follow her what's the best place is it your instagram
1: yes come on over to instagram dietitian digital uh dietitian with a t not a c (laughs) um and yeah follow along on instagram my dms are always open so if you have any questions of course um even if it's not nutrition related, marketing related, course related, more than happy to answer.
0: Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover today, Katie. Was there anything I should have asked you, but forgot to, or anything you want to finish us off with?
1: No, no, not at all. I think um, you definitely asked uh, everything that I was expecting. So I don't think we missed anything. Uh, I think we covered some good points.
0: Awesome. Well, I know it's late over there in Germany, so I'll let you get some sleep. Thank you for your time.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.